Welcome back, Hemming Brains, to the Hemming Brain Podcast for Book 13, Chapter 5, Kutuzov, upon finding out that there were no orders given to advance, loses his calm and lashes out on the senior officer Ichkin. Why does this make Kutuzov snap? Is it just because his orders aren't executed or is there more to it? Stephen Foxbat says, I thought we liked Kutuzov. From previous descriptions in my head, he looked like Christopher Plummer in Undiscovered Country. And even as a Klingon with an eye patch, Plummer is pretty likable. But then I googled Kutuzov and he looked nothing like that. Rolling on the floor in physical pain from things not going your way is pretty bad for a grown-up. <laughs> Rybrate X has agreed. Tolstoy makes generals seem like man-children. Napoleon is described in a non-flattering light as well. You know, I think Kutuzov is more than a grown man. I think he's an old man. And I think his physical pain might be actual physical pain. Um, you know, imagine the, the prolonged stress you would live with in that kind of a position. It would eventually have a physical effect wouldn't it? It must, right? Um, I like Kutuzov still. Um, Four Lost Souls in a Bowl says this. Kutuzov never wanted this attack to happen. I'm doing something very risky right now while podcasting. I just had a drink of some Pepsi Max, which makes me so burpy. And um, that's just the worst drink. It's the worst podcasting drink you could ever choose. But, oh, let's see what happens. Um, Four Lost Souls in a Bowl says, He was goaded into it by all sides and then made to look a fool when he was not ready to go. And no one was aware of any forward order. Now he has to turn around and let his inferiors decide when to attack. That's got to be humiliating for the man supposedly in charge of the armed forces. Yeah, he didn't want to do this did he he didn't want it to go down this way i think he meant to leave it for the longest possible time uh and that's what he's done and eventually you know they're not just gonna wait he's he's happy to wait forever but this army of young men uh yeah they're not they're not gonna feel that way are they so here they are they've forced his hand he's not happy And he's not feeling very good. Let's read chapter 6. Next day the troops assembled in their appointed places in the evening and advanced during the night. It was an autumn night with dark purple clouds, but no rain. The ground was damp, but not muddy, and the troops advanced noiselessly. Only occasionally a jingling of the artillery could be faintly heard. The men were forbidden to talk out loud. to smoke their pipes or to strike a light and they tried to prevent their horses neighing the secrecy of the undertaking undertaking heightened its charm and they marched gaily some columns supposing they had reached their destinations halted piled arms and settled down on the cold ground but the majority marched all night and arrived at places where they evidently should not have been only count all of denisov with his cossacks the least important detachment of all got to his appointed place at the right time. Excuse me. 
is that Pepsi? <coughs> Uh, this detachment halted at the outskirts of a forest on the path leading from the village of Stromilova to Dimitrovsk. Towards dawn, Count Orlov Denisov, who had dozed off, was awakened by a deserter from the French army being brought to him. This was a Polish sergeant of Poniatsky's corps, who explained in Polish that he had come over because he had been slighted in the service that he ought long ago to have made been made an officer, that he was braver than any of them, and so he had left them and wished to pay them out. He said that Murat was spending the night less than a mile from where they were, and if they would let him have a convoy of a hundred men, he would capture him alive. Count Orlov Denisov consulted his fellow officers. The offer was too tempting to be refused. Everyone volunteered to go, and everybody advised making the attempt... After much disputing and arguing, Major General Grekov, with two Cossack regiments, decided to go with the Polish sergeant. Now remember, said Count Olov Denisov to the sergeant at parting, if you have been lying, I'll have you hanged like a dog, but if it's true, you shall have a hundred gold pieces. Without replying, the sergeant, with a resolute air, mounted and rode away with Grekov, whose men had quickly assembled. They disappeared into the forest and Count Orlov Denisov, having seen Grekov off, returned, shivering from the freshness of the early dawn and excited by what he had undertaken on his own responsibility, and began looking at the enemy camp, now just visible in the deceptive light of dawn and the dying campfires. <coughs> Our columns ought to have begun to appear on an open declivity to his right. He looked in that direction. But, thought, but though the columns would have been visible quite far off, they were not to be seen. It seemed to the Count that things were beginning to stir in the French camp, and his keen-sighted adjutant confirmed this. Oh, it is really too late, said Count Orlov, looking at the camp. As often when someone we have trusted is no longer before our eyes, it suddenly seemed quite clear and obvious to him that the sergeant was an impostor. Sorry, one second. One moment, please. Ding, 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 ding. Where was I? The sergeant was an imposter, that he had lied, and that the whole Russian attack would be ruined by the absence of two regiments, which he would lead away heaven only knew where. How could one capture a commander-in-chief from among such a mass of troops? I am sure that rascal was lying, said the Count. They can still be called back, said one of his suite, who, like Count Orlov, felt distrustful of the adventure when he looked at the enemy's camp. Hey, really? What do you think? Should we let them go or not? Will you have them fetched back? Fetch them back, fetch them back, said Count Orlov with sudden determination, looking at his watch. It will be too late. It is quite light. And the adjutant galloped through the forest after Grekov. When Grekov returned, Count Orlov Denisov, excited both by the abandoned attempt and by vainly awaiting the infantry columns that still did not appear, as well as by the proximity of the enemy, resolved to advance. All his men felt the same excitement. Mount, he commanded in a whisper. The men took their places and crossed themselves forward with God's aid. Hurrah, ah, ah, reverberated in the forest, and the Cossack companies, trailing their lances and advancing one after another as if poured out of a sack, dashed gaily across the brook toward the camp. 
One desperate frightened, frightened yell from the first French soldier who saw the Cossacks and all who were in the camp, undressed and only just waking up, ran off in all directions, abandoning cannons, muskets and horses. Had the Cossacks pursued the French without heeding what was behind and around them, they would have captured Murat and everything there. That was what the officers desired. But it was impossible to make the Cossacks budge when once they had got booty and prisoners. None of them listened to orders. 1,500 prisoners and 38 guns were taken on the spot. Besides standards and what seemed most important to the Cossacks, horses, saddles, horse cloth and the like, all this had to be dealt with. The prisoners and guns secured, the booty divided, not without some shouting and even a little fighting among themselves, and it was on this that the Cossacks all busied themselves. The French, not being farther pursued, began to recover themselves. They formed into detachments and began firing, all of Denisov still waiting for the other columns to arrive advanced no further. Meanwhile, according to the dispositions, which said that the first column will march, and so on, the infantry of the belated columns commanded by Bennigsen and directed by Toll had started in due order, and as always happens, had got somewhere, but not to their appointed places. As always happens, the men, starting cheerfully, began to halt. Murmurs were heard, there was a sense of confusion, and finally a backward movement. Adjutants and generals galloped about, shouted, grew angry, quarrelled, said they had come quite wrong and were late, gave vent to a little abuse, and at last gave it all up and went forward simply to get somewhere. We shall get somewhere or other, and they did indeed get somewhere, though not to their right places. A few eventually even got to their right places, but too late to be of any use, and only in time to be fired at. Toll, who in this battle played the part of Weyrother at Austerlitz, galloped assiduously from place to place, finding everything upside down there. Thus he stumbled on Bagovitz's corps in the wood when it was already broad daylight though the corps should long before have joined all of Denisov. Excited and vexed by the failure, and supposing that someone must be responsible for it, Toll galloped up to the commander of the corps and began upbraiding him severely, saying that he ought to be shot. General Bagavar, a fighting old soldier of placid temperament, being also upset by all the delay, confusion and cross-purposes, fell into a rage to everybody's surprise and quite contrary to his usual character and said disagreeable things to Toll. I prefer not to take lessons from anyone, but I can die with my men as well as anybody. He said, and advanced with a single division. Coming out onto a field under the enemy's fire, this brave general went straight ahead, leading his men under fire without considering in his agitation whether going into action now with a single division would be of any use or no. Danger, cannonballs and bullets were just what he needed in his angry mood. One of the first bullets killed him, and other bullets killed many of his men, and his division remained under fire for some time quite uselessly. Alrighty, there we go, there's a chapter for you. Who died at the end there? Toll? No. Bag about? Someone died. Alright. Anywho. Someone's dead. 
have your say about it on the subreddit. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.